everyone hello people of the world hello 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 uh this is toby lembuli and this is my first time and the first episode of my post podcast jenny i have okay okay I will just put it out there that ever since you know in my youth I always wanted to speak up and be the voice of the voiceless. I always wanted to be that person who is never shut off from speaking in mind. Um, because I know from my childhood, I've been shut off. I couldn't speak up and I realized that I'm not the only one. There are many of us where our cultures are telling us not to say a thing, not to complain, not to show yourself that maybe you you are wise or intelligent. The adults, they just know everything. You just do what they say and no questions asked. And you cannot even say you're hurting me. You just have to keep quiet. So... I've been shut, kept, my voice has been shut, my mouth has been held for a long time. And I realized that it doesn't help. At the end of the day, it destroys you. It takes away everything that you are, the human you are, the human you were meant to be. So I always wanted to do that. To be the voice of the voiceless. I wanted to be heard. And them hear me. So. I've been. Pondering a lot. About this podcast thing. So this is my first episode. And I don't know who will listen. And I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going with it. My wish is just that it will help someone. And that someone will be helped by raising up their voice. You know? Because we, the world is messed up. Our parents, our ancestors have messed up the world and we are messing it even the more. It's like a cycle that needs to be broken. But we don't know how because it's, it's been many years being messed up and it's, it has become so complicated. So this is the whole purpose of, of me starting this podcast. To voice 
voice with words. And so, but mainly, it will be based on culture, how our culture has molded us to be these beings, and religion, how it has molded us to be these beings, either in a positive way or in a negative way. Um, also, change, how change has molded us to be these people. So today I decided that I would just tell my story of me, you know. I know I am from a messed up culture. I know that because I never spoke, spoke up for myself. Even now I'm still scared and worried that if I say my mind or I tell people I'm not feeling well or whatever reason, I tend to think about how it's going to, you know, like how I, am I going to be judged? Am I going to be, to be Recently, you know, the attitude changed towards me, you know, like, I don't know if it's going to change to be positive or negative. It's hard for me. But I have to speak up sometimes. But anyway, today I'm going to speak up. I'm, I'm going to talk about how I came to America. How I became... An asylum seeker because you know sometimes I feel like we 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 don't speak up because we're afraid of change you know we're afraid of being displayed we have fear of change and 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 you're right I'm okay I mean that's that's okay change is a challenge on its own. Change. It could either it could go both ways. It could be a positive thing to do or really a disaster. But then it depends how you deal with that situation. I, um, as I'm saying, I introduced myself that I'm Tobin Mbuli and I am an asylum seeker in the United States of America in Salem, Oregon. It's not my first time to be in America. The first I came as an international student in 2011. And then I went back home 2016 without completing my education, without my degree because of financial issues. You know, I would have completed my education if I had parents who were working, if I had a government 
who's concerned about education, educating the young ones. But I will tell you why. What? I don't think my government is concerned with any of the younger generation, especially education. Because you know what? My country where I come from, I'm from Swaziland, by the way, which has been changed 2018 to be a Swatini. Swaziland is one of the smallest countries in the world. It's in Southern Africa. And it has a population of about 1.2 million people. But guess what? More than 70% people are unemployed. It's not that the country has got no money. It could be the richest country in the world. But because of one man. Oh, again. By the way, Swaziland is the last absolute monarchy in Africa. The last absolute monarchy. A country that is ruled by a king and, and the queen mother. And they have the most absolute power and all the resources. The people, they're like subjects to the king. The king owns everything. Even though it could be a constitution. But still... The king goes beyond the constitution. He's above the law. That I can say. And so. Being the country like that. The younger generation. You know time change. And social media is good and bad at the same time. So we learn. And the young generation was like, no, we're tired. Cannot be that our parents have been working their whole lives, but they died poor. And they are still poor. Even the business people, they are in business, but it's not really showing. And, 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 and we cannot stay like this for a long time. Because you know what? Guess what? The king owns everything. In each and every business in the country. He has more than 60% shares. It doesn't matter that. He. It, the fact that the, 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 the your business is in his land. So he owns 60% of your, of your company. And you know. He's one of the richest. Men. In Africa, like, like, um, he's on top six rich state. He he owns private jets, like maybe three of them. He owns the most 
like expensive cars the most expensive bikes the most and guess what on top of that he has more than 15 wives each wife every month they get something like hundred thousand dollars on top of that he has like more than 30 children so what kind of a human being who's so selfish and heartless like that when the country is so poor we live under the poverty line and so we're tired people were tired of that of being hungry of being unemployed then for so many years you could never say anything against the king and his government because if you do you either get arrested and then after being arrested, you will just disappear or you die in your jail cell and then they will say you've committed suicide. Political parties were, were burned in 1973 by the first king, by the former king. So if you are seen wearing any kind of a political party t-shirt, anything of a political party, you disappear and never seen again because you know what you're raising threat to the king and, and his family and the royalties and whosoever who's closer to him because of that the economy of the country is bullshit and the world doesn't care And the young people, the young generation were tired. I'm 41 years old. I don't have anything. Nothing at all whatsoever. I don't own anything. You ask me, have I been not working? I have. I was only working for food. Just to survive. Even the food, you know, it's not like it's a healthy food. How do you live less than a dollar per day? And you expect someone to live a long life. And one man takes all the taxpayer money to his own pocket. He owns jets, he owns boats, he owns everything in the country. And he's one of the richest men in the world. And all the minerals. He will bring his friends from India, from Qatar, from Russia to dig everything that is there. And he, he gained 50% of that. And the people in the country are left with nothing. If you say something, then that's your death. Recently, last year, no, 2021, he killed a student, a lawyer, 
student who was doing his last year in the University of Swaziland, who's, which is also, by the way, it's not a university. Only thing that you're taught there is to go work for someone. You cannot, there's no causes that helps you to do your own business. Even if you do, you start that business. The king takes 50% from that. So tell me where we're going. But anyway. So this student. Allegedly he spoke at some point like. How would Swaziland be without a king? And they felt like he was a threat. Guess what? He was killed. By the police. Because that's what the king does. He order. He give them orders. And if they don't perform. And bring back good results. They're also in trouble I think. <laughs> so they act on whatever he says. Because he's the king. Above the law. He can do whatsoever he wants. And this student was killed. <laughs> So his friends and the university students were like, no, it's either we die with him too. We're tired. And political unrest started. 2020. No, 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 no. 2021. June, July. That was a huge political unrest. People are... Uh, matching and it started peacefully because on the constitution each and every region they have got their own representative in the parliament and so for the representative the members of parliament to speak about the grievances of the of the of the public the people in their regions They've got to go deliver a petition of their demands or their grievances to the representative so that they, the representative take it, takes it to the parliament and solve it. It started like that, demanding justice for that particular student. But after the whole country now was like standing up that, yep, we are demanding justice. It's, it, this is enough. We are done with this king who is doing whatsoever he wants and anytime he wants to the people. It's not fair. Guess what the government did and the king? They started shooting protesters and killing them. Police were ordered by the king, allegedly ordered by the king to do so. And they still do so even now. Yesterday, a human rights lawyer who was vocally, vocally, you know, against of what's happening, of, of people being denied their right to be humans, 
he's dead, he's shot, he's been shot and he's dead. And that's painful. Because now the king just decided to demand respect through the barrel of a gun. And so all I'm saying when uh, when this political unrest started at some point I was there on the road people were burning were burning um properties because they were tired no one was listening they were denying they were demanding somebody to listen but instead the king burned people many were shot they died and most of the people they still have bullets they are walking breathing with bullets in their bodies because even the health because even the health system is messed up there's nothing in there we don't have proper equipment and we're supposed to be the most richest country in the world can you imagine that and um, I took some videos when that was happening on the unrest of June 2021 and July and then some videos were shared on on media um, what's up I just wanted the world to see what was going on and hoped they will intervene also to speak up for those who, who can't, who don't have the chance or the access to the internet. And I didn't know that I'm putting myself in a big problem, in a big trouble. After a few days, I posted those videos the government told the whole country, made a speech that whosoever posting things, sensitive videos on Facebook or any social media is against the law. Unfortunately for me, I already did that. And they were already starting to hunt down people who, who posted videos on Facebook. And lucky for me, at that moment, I was already communicating with my friends I met when I came in America the first time as a student. And we were already preparing that I leave the country as soon as possible, at least to lay low for three months. And hopefully it will... It will calm down and it will be safe for me to go back. So everything just happened so fast. And I applied for a visa. I got it. They gave me a tourist visa of 10 years. Which like felt like bizarre to so many people. And every customs I pass on, I go through while on my way to America. The people working there at the desk, they will 
point in my passport like showing each other would even though i couldn't understand their language sometimes but i could tell they were maybe somehow they were amazed that i got a, a period of 10 years of being a a tourist a visitor in america visiting my friends and when i came in in the port of entry in seattle it was my worst nightmare i was so tired 24 hour flying including layovers you know sleeping in benches not having enough sleep even on the flight because it's not a bed and i landed on the 16th of august so august 16 it's like i already had a red flag on my forehead i was interrogated i was searched my luggage was opened every clothing was taken out and there was nothing they confiscated my phone when they couldn't find anything to crucify me i was asked to show how much i have on my bank account which i couldn't because you know the 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 network system or the phone system in america or in other parts of european world is not the same as in swaziland that's how messed up the country is because even the system is so poor cell phone or and i couldn't log into my bank account so that was first strike then the second strike you know what was since my phone was confiscated they went through my um my messages and unfortunately my friend <laughs> there was a suggestion suggestion of possibly applying for asylum if things do not get to come down in my country then just because of that that was the biggest red flag and i had to decide there and then that i'm being sent back or i tell what's happening which i assume they already knew they already looked at my exchange messages on facebook and all the videos and and and, and posts i've already posted so i had to tell them that this is what's happening in my country and yes they are hunting down people who have posted such videos on facebook and and yeah uh, i i i do believe on what these young people are fighting for they want to be humans to be treated like humans it's a human right to be human it's a god given why is why are we denied that 
So because of that, this is where I am now. We sat down and filled up the longest application ever. Can you imagine? 24 hours of no sleep. And another 10 or 12 hours of interrogation and filling up forms. And on top of that, as a criminal, you know, I'm running away from from being killed. And I became a criminal. I was put on handcuffs. Because I was from then and I was taken to the detention center. And going to the detention center from the airport, for some reason, they just have to put handcuffed you. And that was I lost it. I lost it. Me in handcuffs. I cannot even take a penny on the floor. But now I'm a criminal of running from death. Huh? My gosh. How is that a crime? Running away from death. Do you know what the customs officer lady said to me when I was crying? I couldn't hold it. It got so emotional. And I even went on my periods. Just right there and then. Do you know what she said? I will never forget. She said, it's not me who has an incredible fear of going back to her country. And just as she finished saying that, my brain froze. I, they drove me to the detention center in Tahoe. No, 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 no. But somewhere in Seattle. And you can see my picture of the ID. I definitely look like a criminal. I don't know how they do their cameras, you know. I couldn't eat. The food. (laughs) The food. My goodness, I couldn't eat 90% of my time while I was there because I can't even explain how disgusting is the food. And you are actually in a jail cell, even though they said it's detention. There is a sink there and a toilet for you there and a bunk bed in case there's two of you and a small table to sit on when you eat. And when they bring food, there is a slot on the door that they open and you take your food. And can you tell me, how is that not a jail cell? Luckily, I stayed there for four days. And I was able to come to my friend's house. They're the most supportive people. And now they are my family ever. I've ever had. 
because without them i don't know how will i be even if the money that i came with it would have been finished by now because as an asylum seeker you cannot work until the immigration tells you otherwise how do you survive that even if you can have thousands of dollars in your bank account how much would you be paying staying in a hotel and for food <laughs> and how incredible of a change leaving everything you know behind your whole family and everything you're familiar with leaving it all behind waiting for your fate of not knowing you'll be sent back to your country or not and if you're being sent back would you even survive a day but in any case like how i was saying any change either positive or negative there is a price to pay and this is the price i am paying and i am sure that out there if even if you are an asylum seeker or a refugee or any kind either you've been displaced or moved from your country willingly or unwillingly there's so many challenges that are beneath the surface that are not so non obvious and it takes a while even for you as a as someone who's going through all these things to realize them especially the unlearning things that you you've known your whole life or you've learned your whole life and you feel like an idiot and yet you still have to learn i'll tell you that even just few days ago i failed a driving test and i felt like an idiot i saw so it broken that i've driven before but it takes so much so much effort to switch the brain and know that it's okay in america to drive on the wrong side of the road It's 100% okay. And I kept convincing myself that I have to drive on the right. I'm not driving on the left anymore. But guess what? Because of being nervous, my brain just switched back to what it knows, what it learned, which I thought I've unlearned it. But it switched back to it. And I found myself turning on the wrong lane. on my left because that's what my brain knows and i failed it and that was a bummer so those small things they pile up and become a big challenge and i wish everybody could understand how much braveness and effort we put to unlearn and actually sometimes feel like 
we we don't know who we are anymore but still holding our head up high to try and live to try and be human and and be the people we always wanted to so i am speaking up i always wanted to be the voice and i know you can be the voice so sharing our stories it might heal you heal me and heal anybody else who's going through the same thing or anyone who went through it and now they're in a better place and also speaking up for those people who are back home in Swaziland who cannot say anything because they're scared of being killed or of being exiled i want to be here for them i want them to know that i will try and speak up until the world realizes that we deserve to be humans we deserve to be humans because that's our right birth given right you know the way i see people so kind to animals to their pets i wish there could be a balance we could have we could do i wish people could do the same we could do the same to other humans You know, I even wrote to the international court. Do you know what they told me? Their response was that right I mean, I was actually asking them to investigate what the king is doing. They told me it's out of their jurisdiction. But you know what? People are dying every day in my country. Every day. He's killing them. killing them without any remorse because you know what the whole world is quiet it's not doing anything about it i even wrote to the african um investigation the african panel they didn't do anything they're not doing shit and now allegedly russian troops are in the country they are in the country killing political activists because they feel like they are a threat we don't have white military or white police in swaziland but ever since last few months we have them and they are killing the innocent people who are speaking up who are fighting to be human How when is it going to stop? Who and when is this man going to be held responsible of all the crimes he committed because it's out of the world's jurisdiction? The UN is quiet. It's doing nothing about it. You know, like sending out statements that it has to stop. doesn't work anymore the country needs action the people needs action 
Statement that words doesn't help anymore. Words needs to go with action. And I know it's not only Swaziland. Some are dying through their religion, religious belief, their choice of religion. How did it come to this? How did the world get so messed up? Depriving life itself to the people who were given life. Everybody was given a life. But how, how and why are we depriving ourselves a life? It is scary. It's challenging. And so, there it is. Whosoever is listening or will be listening, either you are asylum seeker, a refugee, or share your story, it might heal someone, it might heal me, it might help me somehow. And share it to everybody. And we have to stand together and unite. This is not right. How can we make the world a better place? Who divided the world and created airports and, and God, who did that? How can we fix things? How can we make it a better place for everybody? Not just for only pets, but for everyone, for all the animals, for all human beings. I'm leaving it up to you. Say something. Help someone with your voice, with your words. You might heal someone. So speak up. Don't be afraid. Fear is the, is the worst nightmare. But if you have the chance to speak up for that person who wish to speak, but their voice have been taken away, then please do. For the sake of that life, so this is my first episode, and I hope I will come up with a well, we'll come back with a new topic, and you know, um, like this is kind of like a journey that we have to learn and help each other on how to navigate on these difficult times of all the changes that we have embarked on. And un, 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 unwillingly or willingly. All right. Have a good night. Oh, bye. Bye. Until next time.